Hi, everyone, and welcome to another edition of From the Lobby with Jack O'Donnell, a podcast that goes behind the headlines to what's really happening in politics with Jack, a longtime political insider and managing partner of O'Donnell and Associates, a top lobbying firm that helps businesses all over the country cut through government red tape. I'm Joanna Passeri, Director of Communications at O'Donnell and Associates. We're closing in on the midterm elections with the governor and state legislature races on the line in New York and House and Senate seats up for grabs in Washington. We are in the thick of it. So where do we stand with early voting underway now and election day around the corner? And what kind of impact will the results have on the political landscape? Let's bring in Jack. Hi, Jack. Hi, Joanna. Good to be with you. Yeah, good to talk to you. Uh, let's start with the race for New York governor. Statistics are on Governor Hochul's side, no doubt. But with the debate behind this and some polls showing her lead shrinking, has she locked up this race? No. <laughs> In short, no. Um, I, you know, the, the, there's no doubt that the race has tightened. Um, I know we've seen some polls um, that showed things even um, or, or even close. But I think the general consensus is if you look at most of the um, fair or, or the polling with um, a good track record, you know, she's probably holding about a, a four to six point lead right now. So how does she hang on to that edge into Election Day? And what does Lee Zelda need to do to try to flip that and win this race? Well, for Hochul, we've really seen over the last uh, two weeks, 10 days, um, a, a pivot from the campaign. Um, you know, they were really focused um, almost exclusively on um, on reproductive rights, uh, abortion um, and, and democracy and, and Donald Trump and, and trying to take Lee Zeldin down. Um, but we've seen a lot more from her campaign talking about um, her record on crime, sort of what she's done. Um, and also trying to highlight her, her um, accomplishments on the economy. So I think those are important changes. Those seem to be much more in line with what um, voters are, are looking to hear and what they're basing their decision on. But the biggest thing for, for Governor Hochul and her campaign is, is going to be turnout um, and where it comes from. Um, you know, um, we saw Democratic voters really energized both um, under the, the Trump administration and then um, last last spring by the Dobbs decision from the Supreme Court. Um, but I don't know that we're, we're seeing or feeling as much of that today. So, you know, her job is to, to really turn out some of these voters, especially solid, reliable Democratic voters um, in the city, um, people of color, um, longtime Democrats. And so we'll, we'll see if she does that. Um, for Lee Zeldin, he, he really has to try to, to capitalize on, on his, um, you know, his enthusiasm, his momentum, um, you know, both in terms of, um, uh, of his turnout, right? Um, trying to get Long Island upstate up. Um, you know, he has been um, campaigning um, really in a really targeted way with some um, ethnic groups in, in New York City. Um, we've seen that around um, conservative Jewish voters. We've seen that around um, Polish voters, Russian voters, um, some, some different interest groups. He's got to got to get them them to the polls. But his job really is is what he's been trying to do, which is convince some um, Democrats, some independents um, to cross over and, and vote for a Republican. Uh, and that sometimes can be a hard thing to do. 
New York Senate and Assembly seats are also on the ballot. And after redistricting, there are some changes to New York Senate districts. So how are those changes going to affect this year's election and Democratic control of both chambers that's been in place for a while now? Yeah, it, it seems pretty um, pretty likely that um, Democrats will continue to have strong majorities in the New York State Assembly, um, as well as the State Senate. The, the question comes down to how big are those majorities, right? Right now, um, Democrats have a two-thirds majority um, in the in the State Senate. I, I suspect that that'll, that'll drop by a couple. Um, but the redistricting really changed where some of these lines are and, and um, changed who's voting for what. Um, and that has put some um, some incumbent Democratic senators um, in a tough spot. We we have two um, incumbent on incumbent races this year, one in Western New York and one in the Capital District. Um, and, and then that's sort of an unusual thing, um, which only happened because of the, the courts uh, drawing these redistricting lines. What are some state races that you're keeping an eye on? Yeah, um, really, really, it is in the state Senate. Um, um, we're watching um, in uh, um, in Rochester, um, Senator Cooney and Senator Brooke have spirited challengers um, in, uh, the, in in central New York. Um, John Mannion, who's a fairly new uh, member of the Senate, um, you know, his district changed a lot. We're trying to see sort of where that goes and then um, the incumbent on incumbent races I mentioned here, here in Western New York, we've got um, Senator Ryan versus Senator Rath in the Capital District. That's um, Senator Hinchy against Senator Serino. Um, and then there's two or three um, really big races in, um, in Long Island. Um, uh, Senator Anna Kaplan, um, Senator John Brooks, who, who um, is probably the most likely Democrat to lose or incumbent to lose, um, and a couple of the races there. But um, that's really where the action is. If Republicans can break that two-thirds majority, what does that mean? Well, you know, I, I think it's much more symbolic than anything else. Um, I, the, the, to be honest, the the two-thirds majority allows you to override a, a gubernatorial veto, um, which in theory gives your body, um, you know, more um, more power in negotiations. Uh, but I'll tell you, the last time I really remember um, any uh, gubernatorial vetoes um, um, or, or them being overridden was, uh, I don't know, back in 2006 or something around there. So I, it, it's much more symbolic than it is um really meaningful in what legislation um, we're going to see out of that body. Let's turn to the federal side. What are the most competitive races now for New York's congressional seats? And are we expecting any changes? Yeah, absolutely. Again, this is where redistricting um, kind of changed things. We've had some incumbents, um, you know, not run. We had some move to different districts. Um, you know, even before that, we had a few congressional re retirements um, on Long Island. Um, Tom Swazi, um, Kathleen Rice both opted not to run again. Um, there are four congressional seats on Long Island, and three of those are very competitive. Um, and one of them is is um, somewhat competitive as well. So that's, um, you know, that that's kind of ground zero here. Um, and then the Hudson Valley um, there are a couple really interesting races. Um, Pat Ryan, who, who run a, won a special election 
um, to fill the seat that uh, Lieutenant Governor Delgado had, had uh, given up in Congress. Um, he won that in a close race um, a few months ago, but he's locked in a really tight campaign for his reelection, um, as well as um, incumbent um, Sean Patrick Maloney, who's also chair of the, the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee. Um, he moved into a mostly new district this year, um, and he's got a really competitive race on his hands. Um, for all of these, the money that has been flowing in from from the national groups on on both sides is just um, o- almost overwhelming. But but tens of millions of dollars um, for both sides in each of these races. There's also an open race um, in, um, in in the Syracuse area. Um, where John Capel retired, that um, is going to be neck and neck and, and go down to the wire. And then some people are watching um, Congressman Joe Morelli, um, who's a good friend of the firm and we like a lot, but is in a, a really tight uh, re-election campaign as well. What about federal races in other states and all of these likely to flip Democratic control of the House? Yeah, look, we, you know, um, we won't go race by race, but I'll tell you, you know, a number of Democratic incumbents have 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 retired um, or opted not to run, um, as well as um, the, the redistricting um, in a number of states, um, notably Texas and Florida, um, where Republicans did a really good job of kind of squeezing some incumbent Democrats. And just the national mood um, and, and the historical fact that parties parties lose seats in the midterms, um, you know, puts us in a position where um, we're fairly confident the Republicans will control the control the House of Representatives in uh, in January. What what's what's more um, uncertain, and we'll be watching closer on on Election Day, is um, is the U.S. Senate. Right. We've got um, a majority leader from the Senate here in New York um, who will get reelected and be the first senator from New York to serve five terms um, in Chuck Schumer. But whether he's majority or minority leader is is a big deal. So we're closely watching um, um, Nevada, Georgia, uh, Pennsylvania. Right. Those are sort of the big three and to a lesser extent, um, Wisconsin, Arizona. Um, and maybe North Carolina, um, but but those are going to be the most interesting to watch. Do you have any predictions of what way you think the Senate might go, Democratic or Republican? You know, if I had to bet today, I would bet that it stays where it is as a, a 50-50 Senate, which is enough for the Democrats to maintain control. But, uh, you know, I've seen scenarios where, where Democrats win uh, 52, 53 seats, and I, I, I've seen scenarios where Republicans win 54 seats. Um, so, you know, there's still a few days left. There's a lot of campaigning. Um, a, a, a ton of these races are just, um, you know, they are razor close and every vote, every vote's going to matter. Yeah. So what does a Republican controlled Congress mean for the race for the president in 2024? Well, I, uh, you know, the, the, the first question is what it means for the president in, in, in 23 and 24, <laughs> right? I mean, it really means that, um, you know, some of these big bills, whether it was the um, Inflation Reduction Act, whether it's the um, Bipartisan Infrastructure Act, you know, I, I don't think we're going to see a lot of um, legislating from Congress. Um, I do think uh, with Republicans in control of the of the House, we'll see a lot of investigations, um, get ready to learn a lot more about Hunter Biden. Um, 
his laptop and and his uh, his life. Um, but I, I I think we're not going to see much. Uh, Democrats are really hoping to hold on to the Senate so at least the president's appointees um, and judicial nominations can be can be confirmed and sort of keep some stuff moving that way. You'll see a lot of executive orders. Um, and I'll tell you, traditionally, we've seen um, presidents who've been able to kind of rail against Congress uh, for not getting enough done or, or being the one who stops them um, being good for their reelection prospects. Uh, too soon to say that that'll work for, for Joe Biden, but it worked for, uh, you know, worked for Bill Clinton, uh, worked for uh, Harry Truman, uh, worked for a few other folks in between. I have also heard rumblings about impeachment, although no one can really say what they would impeach Biden on. Yeah, I mean, I think if, if Republicans have the um, the House and the Senate, but I think even in the House, you know, we could see some of those impeachment articles. If not Biden, you know, we've certainly heard it about the, the Secretary of Homeland Security. Uh, we've heard it about the Attorney General. Um, Right, the Secretary of Homeland Security for not securing the border well enough, um, for the Attorney General for, you know, daring to allow an FBI raid on uh, former former President Trump. Um, so, you know, we're going to see a lot of that stuff um, uh, come come January. Never a dull moment, as always. Well, thanks, Jack, and stay on top of state and federal politics every week with our Monday Morning Memo newsletter delivered right to your inbox. Sign up is easy. Just head to our website, O'DonnellSolutions.com. And for daily updates, follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn at O'Donnell and Associates. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks, Jack. We'll be back soon with more insider news from the lobby with Jack O'Donnell.